Hi, friends. Welcome to Unyielding, a podcast for Pathways to Hope Network. Our goal for this podcast is to connect with mothers of children facing the juvenile court system. We want to use this platform to give a voice to the challenges you're facing while you're learning to navigate the sometimes scary and uncertain world we enter when our child has been charged with a crime. For the next 30 or so minutes, we hope that you will feel seen and cared for. We hope that you are reminded of your value and that you leave a little stronger than you arrived. We hope you are reminded that you have sisters out here who silently walk beside you in solidarity. Most importantly though, we hope to honor the always beautiful, often heart-wrenching, unyielding love that a mother has for her child. Hi friends, welcome back to Unyielding for episode 16. Today we wrap up a conversation that started last week. My guest is Mary Cranston. Mary is a counselor, life coach, speaker, and published author of a new book titled Grief Mountain, a practical guide in recovering from grief and loss. We're talking about grief because grief is a very normal part of this process. Parents with children facing charges or incarceration experience all the stages that come with grief. We go through shock when the child we have loved and raised makes some choices that have them experiencing some pretty real consequences. Numbness in the moments when, I don't know, everything begins to just feel like too much. When all the emotions and thinking temporarily wears us out and we feel nothing. Denial when it feels impossible to reconcile our current reality to what life has always been. Our normal is gone, and it doesn't seem possible that life is requiring us to create a new normal. And how does one even do that anyway? All of these experiences of grief are present for families dealing with any type of loss, even when that loss is the loss of what we once imagined our family would be. You aren't going crazy if life feels overwhelming right now because it is overwhelming. When we can begin to normalize our experiences as part of the grief cycle, it gives us permission to accept where we are, to do the work we're meant to do in this stage and to wait expectantly knowing that it will pass. In episode 15, Mary shared a little bit about the journey up what she calls Grief Mountain. And today we begin looking ahead to the journey down the other side. It's our hope that the information we share today serves to encourage and remind you that you will not always feel the way you do today. Welcome back to the show, Mary. Thank you so much for agreeing to come back and for giving our listeners a quick glance at what waits ahead on our journey down Grief Mountain. Well, thank you for having me. I just am excited to be here today. Awesome. Okay, so let's get started. Um, I was looking through the book and in chapter six, mm -hmm. you write the first big stride coming off the peak and descending the other side is that we have to realize the toll that the climb up the mountain has taken on our brain. The grief journey is constant. Grief seems to be your new BFF. You can't mm -hmm. escape it. We wake up with it, go to bed with it and experience it all throughout our day. 
It is the constant companion we wish we could lose. Because of its persistence, our brain does not get a lot of rest or restoration. The brain is fatigued. This drains an important chemical, serotonin, from our brain, so it is running on fumes. It is at this point we need to push ourselves to go and get an assessment for depression and to talk to a professional. It's interesting to me that depression is the first stride coming off the peak, heading down the mountain. What about depression places it on the descent down? Well, I think that is such a good topic for us because depression is a a word that's thrown around in our culture a lot. People will say I'm depressed or they're depressed. And honestly, there's a difference between discouragement or having like the blues and having Mm -hmm. depression. So when you have, when you have the blues, the blues eventually will lift in a day or two. And depression is, is something that's not lifting. It's chemical. You feel this every day. Yeah. And so that then becomes a new problem. So now you not only have grief that you're working on and, and then you will be adding depression to it, which has a whole host of its own issues. And so that is why I think when you're feeling stuck in it, like it's been day after day after day, that is where it's important to get in, to get that assessed and kind of get that under control before it mushrooms into something bigger. Yeah, that makes sense. And so would you recommend then that that is kind of the the catalyst that you're looking for in knowing when you should be seeking professional help then is just when it's when it's that cloud that just is ever constant and not going away. Yeah. I think that, that the time, the time that it is present, like days, weeks, months, that is where you want to, to get in and get that assessed. And, and, and if you need medication, they look at that. If you don't, if you can do it through tools, you go that route. But I think that's a, a place where you could easily just kind of fall off, fall off this grief mountain. And so that will keep you instead of falling off, just managing it and keep going down the other side. I see. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. And then um, the next stage down is re-entry. Can you talk about that step and what purpose it serves? Mm-hmm. Re-entry is, is like, is a great stage. And I can, I can see it on people like physically see the re-entry stage, which looks like people have a little bit of light in their eyes. They have a little Mm -hmm. bit more of a lightness. You're not seeing as many emotional outbursts. They kind of have done a lot of that. They're, they're not doing that as much. And there happens to be like a glimmer of hope when you start hearing people talk about things in the future a little bit. And that to me is where they're kind of re-entering back to life. Mm-hmm. Um, so it physically looks a little bit different. And that's where people, you know, following an assessment um, begin to get their tools. They begin to go to coaching or counseling or get in a group at church or they begin to get the help that they need to re-enter. Mm-hmm. Okay. You mentioned in the book that grief is not a solo journey. It is a journey that should be shared and walked through with another person, but that it's something that we're going to try to talk ourselves out of over and over again. What do you think it is that holds us back? Well, I think fear, you know, fear is typically at the root of not taking steps forward. We're afraid we don't have our courage on. We're not we're stuck in that fear. And I do, I strongly believe that it's not a solo 
journey. It's, you know, you're, you're, it's a tough journey. There's hypothermia, there's difficult things to go solo. It's, it's really hard, hard to finish this hike. Typically, if I see people doing that, they, they make it to some stage and they kind of get stuck in it. Yeah. So one of the, one of my jobs when I'm working with people is trying to kind of keep some movement going to keep them kind of moving down the mountain. Um, and if you're not working with somebody or you don't have an accountability partner, nobody's working with you. You don't have a, another set of eyes on, you know, your progress. Yeah. And so it is, it's really, really important. And I, I think I said last time that, you know, many, many mental health issues are rooted in unresolved grief. Mm. It's the root of a lot of mental health issues. Well, I know for myself, like I can, I can kind of attest to that idea of being reluctant, um, to reach out for support. And I, I waited way longer than Mm -hmm. I should have before reaching out. Um, and it actually wasn't until like I started to experience panic and anxiety attacks and my blood pressure was through the roof. Um, I didn't think that talking about it would solve anything. I didn't realize like how much it was costing me to hold on to all of it. And in fact, that really played a huge role in me starting Pathways to Hope Network because I recognized that my healing journey would have began a lot sooner Mm -hmm. and it would have saved me a lot of unnecessary struggles um, if I would have started that process sooner. So now with Pathways, we offer one-on-one mentorship groups Mm -hmm. um, and we have an online support group too. And it's always amazing to see like this transformation that takes place for people once they begin opening up about their pain. Right. I love that Pathways is so holistic. You are covering a lot of different sides of it. I think that is so, so wise and good to do. I think that um, as you were saying, when you start to have those flutters and some anxiety and panic attacks, I I believe the body will always tell on us. And Mm. so even if our mind is saying, no, I can do this myself. I don't need counseling. I've done that myself. I'll figure it out. I'll read a book. But when your body starts telling on you, telling you that you're not okay and it comes out in your body, that is when it's really telling you that you need the help. And so a lot of us, I've done it too. I've I've called a counselor and then I hang up, you know, right? (laughs) because I, or like the behavior gets better. And so I'm like, well, I'm getting better. And so you put it off, you put, you know, you call, you don't call, you call, you hang up and it's just kind of a hard decision. One of the beauties of, of COVID was how it normalized mental health. And it's just so much more common and everyday and normal to, to work on our mental health now. And so I think, I think that's a good thing, but boy, there's a mental, there's a mental battle that goes on before you just let yourself go get help, which is kind of sad, you know, because with our doctor, if I had a broken arm, I'd be in my car going to the ER, you know, and so mental health, for some reason we have that there's a tiny bit of, oh, I don't know what it is. A tiny bit of not even sure what you would call that. Maybe it's pride. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. Yeah. I was trying to think of that too. Like, what could it be? And I, I think you're right. Maybe it is this, uh, a little sense of, of, of pride that like, okay, I, I should be able to handle this. Yeah. And I know that I notice a significant difference in healing that takes place between the people who actually show up and participate like in our groups or go to therapy um, from the people who haven't yet been able to take that step. Like it really does. Like you said, the light starts to come back um, in the eyes. So 
I, I really like the journey down the mountain much better than the journey up so oh, far. Definitely. It's where the hope is and the change. Yeah. And that's so good. Yeah. So what comes after re-entry? After re-entry is the next kind of stage down is new relationships. And really what I'm talking about there is we, we begin to re-enter into, um, into some newer things. I would say relationships, some new challenges. We begin to have a little bit of energy back because we are doing therapy or we are on some medications or starting to have a little more energy for new relationships and new, new interests. And we're in the past in the, in the rest of that, we look backwards over the mountain. We just literally have no energy for anything like that. We're just trying to get through the day. Yeah. And so that brings life to us, you know, when we start getting into that. Right. What kind of relationships do you consider like that might be happening, new relationships that might be forming during this time? Well, they might be forming with, um, even like, as you were saying at pathways, like with groups, group, uh, people that you are going through this with maybe come oh, now more yeah. of a confidant and that I, I love, uh, grief groups because I think yeah. they're so valuable to be traveling this hike with somebody, somebody that truly yeah. gets it. You don't have to explain it. They get it. So I would say there's probably new relationships in a, in, in that community. Um, mm -hmm. Pathways is a good example of that groups, community, mm -hmm. people that are on that journey, as well as just being better kind of mental health wise for yourself that you are, like I said, have the energy again to, to reach out and do a few new things when you're, when you're stuck in this, you anchor down and isolate and you don't, you just don't want to go out. You don't want to be around people. You don't want to talk about it. You don't want to think about it. You want to just kind of numb out. Yeah. And that truly is, begins to lift on this other side of the mountain. It really does with these new relationships. They kind of bring some energy to you. Yeah. That's, that's actually a really good point. I was, I was thinking about that when I was reading the book, I'm like, Hmm, new relationships, like yeah. what kind of, but, and I, and that didn't even really like dawn on me, but you're right. I think, um, for a lot of people, you know, when you are going through, um, grief, trying to relate to the people who, who are in your life and who have always been an important part of your life, but they haven't shared the same mm -hmm. experiences that maybe you're experiencing. Mm -hmm. It can be difficult to have those connections sometimes. And I know, you know, that's, that's pretty common in our community as well. And so, mm -hmm. um, so when we start making those new connections um, and forming those new relationships, like those start to bring life back into you again. Thank and you. that's not to say that those other relationships, you know, don't survive the test of time. Time, but I, I do feel like there's kind of a pause that's placed on, on some of that until yes. you can get your feet back under you again. I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And some of those relationships kind of get weeded out and some, like you say, get yeah. better with time. And then some of them are just brand new people from group. So yeah, it's just kind of a neat positive phase. It is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. All right. So what's next after re new relationships? After a relationship is new strengths. Mm -hmm. And so that begins with, you know, when, when you're in this grief mountain, especially before you're up at the tip there, before you get an assessment or start your counseling coaching group, you're really in what's called survivor mode. And survivor mode is meant to be a season. It's meant to be, I believe, you know, God gave us a season 
of being able to survive something, but it's never supposed to be a lifestyle. Yeah. And what happens sadly with people that don't, don't get this help is their, their grief does kind of become a lifestyle of being stuck, being a victim, Mm -hmm. being depressed, all those things where new strengths come out of, um, and new patterns come out of venturing out of survival mode and, Mm -hmm. and getting back to pushing yourself a little bit, getting back to the gym, getting back to things that would exhaust you before. Right. And so I think that's a really key, key thing to know is that survival mode has great purpose to survive something that you're going through, but it's not a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And that's the danger of not getting up and over this mountain is that it turns into a lifestyle. So, but that's what I mean by new patterns. Um, Although, you know, when we've gone through something, a loss uh, of any kind, it does change us because it changes us. We've lost that thing or we're not that thing anymore. So there is a change, but I think that as new patterns develop, you're able to um, see that in a positive light and see that as, wow, uh, grief taught me this, or I wouldn't be having a podcast had I not gone through this loss. So you begin Mm -hmm. to see kind of these new strengths that come from the very thing that you were just battling. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I'm thinking of with the, with the new strengths, new patterns. Yeah. That's wow. That's so powerful. In the book, you say the pattern of hygiene is a critical new pattern to sustain. It sounds kind of silly yet daily hygiene just makes us feel fresh and more energetic. The old saying, you look good, you feel good has a thread of truth to it. Mm -hmm. Whatever your hygiene routine is, keep it going. And then you kind of list off your, um, your hygiene routine. Is it okay for me to read that real quick? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So it says my hygiene routine looks like take a long shower, Mm -hmm. do my skincare routine in the shower, moisturize, brush my teeth, do my hair, even if it is throwing it up in a ponytail with a baseball hat, daytime makeup, at least a little lipstick, get dressed and go Mm -hmm. in the early stages of grief. I could not do this hygiene routine. The last thing I wanted to do was take a shower. It was just too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And I just, I read that and I thought about um, one of the moms that I was working with and it just broke my heart when we were talking on the phone. And she said, I haven't brushed my hair since March. And it was, I mean, I think we were like early June at the time and mm-hmm. like she had, you know, been bathing yes. and showering and stuff, but like she hadn't brushed her hair and it was, it was significant enough to her that she even brought it up, you know? And right. so, you know, you talk about this, how this power of, of even just something as simple as hi, the hygiene, mm-hmm. you know, routine, and you look good and you feel good, you know, that it does make a difference. Mm-hmm. What other kind of patterns do you recommend? You know, I think I want to back up and say that I think that the physical side of grief is overlooked. I think, mm-hmm. um, when we think about a shower, combing our hair, brushing our teeth that seem, you know, that seems somewhat simple, but when you're under grief, I cannot explain the fatigue that it brings, right? There's a physical fatigue and an emotional fatigue. And then it's like when they partner up, you're kind of shutting down and that is where you don't, you know, comb your hair for months. And so I I just want to really emphasize the physical side of grief. And some of these basic, basic patterns are victories 
like when you can start conquering this hygiene routine, like that's a good day. Mm-hmm. Um, when you can have your AM routine, which might be, you know, coffee and a devotional, that's a good day. Um, yeah. Just getting back to, you know, basic patterns or habits that you have sitting and eating dinner with somebody. Those are things that like right now, we don't really think a whole lot about. We just do them without thought. But when you're in the midst of grief and that, mm-hmm. that fatigue, the emotional and physical fatigue, those habits are hard. Yeah. And so you basically break down your day. You look at like your AM routine, you look at maybe some work patterns. Those basic things start to come back. You're getting better. Yeah. 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 I love that. Um, how, how do you think that these new patterns or routines help strengthen us? What's, what's behind that? I think that the new patterns tell us that we're getting better. It's not somebody Mm -hmm. else telling us like my husband could say, you're getting better. And he could be like a cheerleader, but I know deep in my soul, I'm getting better when I can do these patterns. Yeah. When I can lay my clothes out the day before for what I'm going to wear, because that saves me time. I couldn't do that early on in grief. That was too much. And so I think patterns are really a almost a taking temperature of yourself of how you're really doing. Oh yeah. That's a great way to describe it. And I think we need to hear it and see it for ourselves, not somebody else telling us. So I think that they're, yeah, I think that's kind of what they do. It's like, Oh yeah, I did that. I'm getting better. I took a shower, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. What's, what's next? The next step that we're getting close down to the bottom is for hope affirmation. Okay. And this is where you are beginning to, to talk and think and hope again in the possibilities of things happening, the possibility of a new normal, the possibility of the new normal is maybe not going to be that as bad as we thought. Um, so you just begin, it really opens up. I think I like to think of the two H words. It opens up hope and then it takes away helplessness. So we're, Mm -hmm. we're now able to kind of actually do some things. We're not helpless like we were, and then we're not hopeless like we were. So I think that it, the affirmations really, it's kind of a flooding in of getting, getting your life back, getting, you know, whether that's really different now, but you're getting some normalcy back a little bit. Right. And so these, these steps are kind of all building on each other. Then it sounds like as you're working your way down the mountain, they are. And that's why, again, I want to circle back to what you said about doing it with somebody. It's not a solo act. It's very hard to see in yourself when you are stuck on one of these stages and you're no longer moving where, when you're working with a therapist, counselor, facilitator, they can see that you're not moving, right? They can see for week three, you know, you're talking about, you know, panic week four, week five, week six, week seven, you, you have to begin to get that movement. And, and it's hard to do that in, to yourself. I just don't think mm-hmm. we have the ability to do that. Yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you write on page 59, you say, as we stand on the lower base of grief mountain, we find ourselves trying to define what moving on looks like. Mm-hmm. It feels so weird and cringy to say it. The phrase moving on is common in the grief loss world, but it isn't very well understood or frankly, all that helpful. Mm-mm. What does moving on mean? What does moving forward look like Mm -hmm. and how does a person really do it? 
And it, it feels like there's a push and pull that yes. happens where you desperately want the grief to go away. And then you also don't want it to go away. Right. Do you have any insight on why this is? Well, I just want to say that that is true and normal. It is a push pull. And honestly, if somebody says moving on, it's, it's, it is hurtful and not helpful. Um, because that moving on is very much a person's, you know, person's choice, a person's readiness. Yeah. And so when our culture that's very impatient, um, kind of tries to push, move on, forget about it, you know, that, that message it's, it's, yeah. it is hurtful. It doesn't help. I don't know. Moving on is not a good statement for me. I, yeah. I like to think of it as it's becoming something new. I have a mm-hmm. new normal and I, and it's okay. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't really like moving on feels like a a loss loss to me. Right. So there is that, but you, you do so want it to go also. So it's, it's tricky. It's a tricky spot to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, wait, what did you just say? You feel like it's more like I have a new normal. What'd you say? I I was just saying, it, it feels like you have a new normal and you're finally okay with it. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, there is a subtle difference there, isn't there between like, yeah, moving on and just like, I have, I have a new normal. I mean, because it's like, it's being able to move forward without taking away the relevance of everything that's, that happened in the past. Right. And that's exactly what I think. I think you nailed that. It takes the relevancy away from the trauma that you've gone through when you say move on it's time to move on. Or people say, when are you going to move on? All those things are very hurtful because it does, it undermines the trauma a little bit. Or if you say it's a new normal and I'm, I'm coming in, I'm coming around to it. It just has a different Mm -hmm. feel and a different meaning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then our final down at the other, uh, yes. down at the other end of the mountain the other is end. helping we, others. Yes, that's when we made it. <laughs> so talk about that a little. Well, that is when you have really done this mountain. And I want to say, I don't think there's anybody that just does, does a trip over the mountain and they check the box and they're done. I think you're heading over this mountain and you might be over on the side of like new strengths. And then something happens and you slide back down the mountain to mad and sad. You're mad and sad again. And then you're, then you're up and over again. So there's, there's little backslides with this mountain where you revisit a stage or it crops up for some reason, but you're not mm-hmm. there very long. You're, you're just, yeah. you know what it is. You sit in it for a little bit and then you keep going. Yeah. And it's, is that what you refer to in the book as a sneaker wave? Uh-huh. A sneaker wave is where you're just like, you think you're kind of doing good. And then all of a sudden you're just knocked over crying or something's hit you. It's you're triggered. Uh, yeah. It's really very much a sneaker wave. I think when we get to that last final step on the right side, helping others, that is where there's been a time. There's been some time where you've done this mountain and you've it's not raw and fresh to you anymore. And you're really in a place to speak about it and, and help others. Now, the, tr- the clue that you're not ready is when you can't get through it because you're, you're emotional and that's okay. But that just means you're not quite, you're just not quite there. You're still, still right. doing the mountain work, but when you can begin to talk about it and, and help others, that is where this, you know, this, trial turns into that triumph you know it turns into something 
you know, as a Jesus follower, it's like, you know, that's where the reason maybe we had this was to help these people. Cause like, I even look at your, look at your podcast, look at pathways. That Mm -hmm. is probably the last thing you thought you would ever be doing when you were just trying to get over that mountain. Right. But when you've gotten over it, you've done the work and there's been a little bit of time for things to kind of simmer, then, then you're in that spot of like, what am I going to do with this? And what can I do that's going to be good and help, help our world? Yeah. You know, I wrote this book, you started pathways in your podcast and, and hopefully other people that do this book you know, we'll also do something to give back mm-hmm. with their grief. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that your father had passed mm-hmm. away and gosh, I'm so sorry to hear that. I, I've heard stories from you about just what an amazing man he was and and the fact that he raised you mm-hmm. and how much you help people and yeah. how dedicated you are to living your life in a way that just, mm-hmm. you know, blesses other people's lives. Like I'm, I'm, I'm sure that that's a, been a great loss in your life mm-hmm. when writing this grief mountain, did this come about like through, I know you mentioned you had clients who have said, you know, you should write a book about this. Was right. this something you started beforehand or was this, no. was this during that time? Or No, I wrote this book. This book came out right in, it was like in October and then COVID hit that, you know, it was right before COVID hit is when this wow. book was released. And I'd been writing it yeah. for about, you know, three or four years prior. So yeah, it did not have to do with my dad. And it's, it's interesting um, going through this grief right now, kind of as a person that's read this book and led other people over that mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's funny today, as you were reading off the hygiene routine, I have my hair pulled back in a baseball hat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I yeah. truly do. And that, that's uh-huh. funny because that's usually like, okay, this is a hard day. So right. um, the baseball hat always tells on me. But, um, so I just kind of had to smile when you read that, but yeah, no, it wasn't written about my dad. It really was written by just mainly a lot of clients I've walked this with was kind of one of the, the main things I've had my own personal losses. Um, I've, you know, different ones, different, you know, I, I talk about being an athlete and then not being one anymore. I I went through a divorce. Mm -hmm. It was very challenging. That's a, that's a top of a grief chart. Right. So I've just had my own and, and just working with people. It's just, it's such a, such a huge thing, honestly, it really Mm -hmm. is. And yeah, you mentioned, uh, like a universal issue that like everybody experiences it. Yeah. Right. It's the one universal issue. Yeah. So I wanted to just share a little bit kind of about the book. You mentioned that, that you recommend doing the book with somebody else or working with a counselor or a coach, Mm -hmm. or even just with an accountability partner, correct? Right. I think it's a wonderful book to do that with because um, of the homework, the steps that you take at the end. Um, I think that's, you know, you can be with your person and go away and do the homework, then you're accountable and you come back and you can share your homework. This would be a great group book, you know, for Mm -hmm. a a grief group because it's got active steps in it. But I, I do think it is meant to do with somebody, have a hiking partner. 
And I think that falls back into line with what you said about that, that you shouldn't go through the grief journey alone. And so, yeah, I love that this book is, it's very practical. Um, it's very easy to read uh, to our listeners that, um, you know, can't see the book. It's, it's not anything that's, you know, going to take a ton of reading time required from you. But one of the things that I love about it is each chapter has a mindset Mm-hmm. that you that you provide and also then like you said there's um kind of homework so things mm-hmm. to reflect on things to journal on and i i love that i love any kind of book that just doesn't just tell you the information mm-hmm. but it actually gives you ways to apply right. the information so that was really cool for me yeah and i think when you and i talked i had discussed that i would like to actually use this in one of our groups and do a grief group so we have just started um online support group series that we're doing right now um and so i probably won't be on this one but 6 weeks out from now so early fall i think that we'll probably be using your book and and definitely going through grief mountain together so thank you so much for providing this a resource to everybody who's out here um, for coming on the show and for sharing your thoughts and your knowledge, your wisdom with us. It's been such a blessing to have you as a guest on the show. Well, that just makes my heart smile over here that your group's going to do it. And I love that because you can just see people getting over the mountain and then to see what they're going to do with it, you know, yeah. what will they yeah. end up doing with this grief, you know? That is fantastic. And, you know, along with that, I uh, am going to be teaching this book in a, in a one day summit on um, October 8th, and I'm doing it in Kelso, Washington. If anybody wanted to just come to that, I have information on my website, but it's going to be just kind of a, kind of a conference. So for people that want to do like a day, they just want to like hammer it out and come do it. That's what we're doing on October 8th. And I hope to continue to to have those summits because, you know, again, gosh, think how many times we're going to go over this grief mountain. Right, right. For sure. And is this, is this an in-person event, Mary? Uh, Yes. Yes. Okay. It is. And I'm teaching it. It's, it's going to be really good. It's at, uh, I think that it's at a church called Kelso, Kelso Assembly. I think is what it's called in Kelso. It's right off I five. Super easy to get to, and that's um, October October eighth. October eighth. Right. Okay, great. So you can go. Yeah, you go to my website and sign up and stuff. And but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to just being with real people. <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean? Like after COVID, yeah. it's like real people. For sure. For sure. And what a great opportunity for people to come together who are all in a similar space, you know, and, and they can just go through this together. Right. The only thing else I would say is just that I am excited to start my YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. It's going to come out on Thursdays. And I like to share with people, the reason I'm doing this channel is that it's so difficult to get mental health help right now. It's just, it's so not available. And mm-hmm. so I am so tired of telling people, no, I don't have openings. And so I'm just, I'm going to just do like a YouTube channel and do like one tool a week, at least stand awesome. in the gap. I just want to stand in the gap with people, why they're trying to, to wait, to get in and not give up. Yeah. That's you great. Know? So sometimes even just the lifeline of a YouTube channel can keep somebody, pl- you know, going forward. For sure. And when, when did you say that was starting? Um, that's going to start in August. Uh, it, it will be released every Thursday. 
Okay, perfect. Yeah. Well, we will, we will have links. You can find Mary's book, Grief Mountain, a practical guide in recovering from grief and loss on Amazon. I'll include it in the show notes below, along with links to Mary's website at coachmcranston.com, her Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube accounts. Thank you so much, Mary. Oh, thank you, Angie. Okay, friends. Well, that wraps it up for this week. Thanks so much for listening to Unyielding. I really hope that you found this information helpful and that it served you in some way today. If you did, could you show some love to this community of mamas by leaving a review and subscribing? You know how lonely this journey can be. And when you leave positive reviews and subscribe, it makes a big difference in helping other struggling moms out there find us. Oh, and don't forget to check out Pathways to Hope Network's website. The link will always be in the show notes below where you can access an ever-growing library of resources, like a list of local and national resources that may be helpful, a page entirely devoted to frequently asked questions, as well as our blogs that cover a variety of topics. When you visit the page, remember to subscribe so you're added to our monthly newsletter designed to encourage and educate you throughout this process and beyond. You also receive access to our closed Facebook group community, where we break down this podcast even deeper. Just a reminder, our closed group is a small group of parents just like you that understands what it's like to have a child going through the juvenile justice system. Take advantage of this opportunity to be part of a safe space where families can come together to talk about their struggles, help answer questions, and provide judgment-free encouragement. You can also find our social media pages on Facebook and Instagram, where we post five days a week, posts designed to help keep you fighting. Remember, family is like life. It's a fight for territory, and once you stop fighting for what you want, what you don't want will automatically take over. Until next week, friends, remember we are stronger together.